Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm constipated. (laughs) Always keeping it fresh. Do you want to say your name? It doesn't matter that much. Yep. And I'm always keeping it fresh. Grimly. Yes, he is. Welcome to part two of our end of year episodes where Constipated and I will talk about our favorite albums of the year on this one. So it's our top 10 albums of the year. We'll give a few honorable mentions. I think we came down with five honorable mentions, we'll say, before we uh, get going 10 to 1. And uh, with each album from 10 to 1, we also have a superlative that we're going to give it some sort of... I mean, people understand what superlatives are, right? Do I have to explain the concept of superlatives? No, it's fine. Okay. I'm getting a no. We're good. Um, we're good. So, so we will... Uh, I think we'll just kind of jump in here. If you haven't listened to episode 1 of this two-parter, which won't be labeled as a two-parter, but our last one talking of end of year list. I do think that there's some good context there that would be helpful. Um, so we don't have to repeat ourselves. So even though I took more time to explain that, just go listen to that. So I don't have to take more time to explain more things. Yeah. I feel like we introduced right. this episode on the last episode. Basically, We really did. We really did. We're two of the best. We are excellent you know? podcasters. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, that's why, uh, <laughs> highest rated podcast, uh, between, our friends who don't listen to the podcast, I believe. Yeah. I believe we're the highest. We're the highest, at least with my friends, we're the highest rated in the, oh, man, I, I really should listen to your podcast. Yeah. Um, that's the type of I get that a lot. Um, feedback that I get from my friends. So uh, if you're listening, uh, thank you. And we should be friends because my friends are not keeping up. Well, um, and then my friends that do, <laughs> they, they usually like super like, Pray, like praising us they're like oh yeah wt heck did you make me listen to that crap um, yeah yeah but uh like, i know they're being sarcastic you know they're from yeah. they're yeah. from like the boston area so sarcasm is like, yeah. super big here so like what that really <laughs> means is like that was like the best podcast i've ever listened to yeah so yep thanks everybody That's, really appreciate we, it. we trudge on for those people oh yeah knowing that they would be so sad if we didn't exist. So, um, and speaking of existing, there's some, there's some albums that exist. Let's talk about them. That's a, Perfect that segue. Terrible. See, that's terrible. That's what they pay me for. Oh, so bad. <laughs> All right, Nate, do you want to give your five honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order by, yep. uh, alf- alphabetically reverse okay. order. Because I yep. think it best, it creates the shock factor at its best. So, yeah, perfect. My very first honorable mention is a country record, yeah. which is Ugh, I don't like this. Film. I know, like it's not a country between the two episodes. Where have things gone now? the 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 continuity is not just in the country, but in the artist. Because my oh, favorite, okay, my favorite. Uh, Country artist at the moment is that that mean boy, Zach Bryan, Zach Mean Boy Bryan, um, with his self-titled album, 
Zach Mean Boy Brian. And it is a mammoth of a record, but feels like a short listen compared to his previous album. I don't even know how many songs are on it, but there's at least 16. I forget if there's 16 or 17 or 18. I think it's 16. I don't know. Too lazy to figure Mm -hmm. it out. But Mm -hmm. you can listen to the whole thing, and it's not difficult to get through. Um, And there are a lot of great tracks. I think if I was to go through and pick out my favorite 10 or 11 albums, uh, not albums, it it feels like Mm -hmm. albums, how long these albums are. Like you're listening to multiple albums in one Mm -hmm. of these. But no, if I was to pick out my 10 or 11 favorite songs on this album, it would almost guaranteed be in my top 10. Um, It's just a the quality overall never dips too low, but doesn't stay as high as it could, yeah. which is why it is an honorable mention. I realize I'm talking way too much about my honorable mention picks. It's fine. But next up, we got we got my girl, Lorraine. And, you know, hopefully an autobiographical title, um, which is uh titled i killed your dog um if that's not true like a true story i'm gonna be pissed um because that's the only reason i like this album is because she gets me to visualize her killing uh somebody's dog just for pure revenge but uh no what it's a really um I don't know if there's orchestral components to the record, like off the top of my head, but it feels like an orchestra orchestra driven album. And that's like, it's so, I feel like high praise where in the sense that it's so dense, um, so complex. And she has really unique melodies that still work. Um, there's a crap ton of interludes. There's like, this is another 16 song album, but it's only like 36 mm. minutes. It's or something like wow. that. It's like 30 minutes, something. Um, and it's like a crap ton of songs. There's so many tiny interludes, but it's a great listen. Great, great listen. All right. Next up, I got, uh, my nickname from elementary school. I'm, I'm feeling it in a little funny mood tonight i'm not yet i'm not really that funny which is a poor combination uh feeble little horse um as the kids used to call me on the playground and and uh and uh their record girl with fish um Mm -hmm. another cleverly titled album uh this is a weird glitchy uh rock record i've been listening to a crap ton of glitchy stuff and i like it um next up we have two records that we have done podcasts on unlike the previous three and that would be bunny by uh beach fossils Mm -hmm. um i feel like it's just a super solid album um there are some 
I would say there is a variety of quality in the tracks. Like there are some like really great ones. There's some ones that are yeah. fine. And then most of them are really good or pretty good. But um, yeah. there's not enough top end tracks for me to put it in my top 10 personally. Um, and then I would say the shocker potentially of the whole episode for those, for me, for those who know my taste and know Andrew and I well, and that would be an honorable mention, not in the top 10. We got Yo-Yo by a Beacon School. Yep. Much lower. It's at the Yo-Yo is on the ground level <laughs> and has not written. I mean, it was higher. I feel like it sunk a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The record from a talent standpoint, really good. From a production standpoint, exceptional. But Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a record where he was hurt by how much time he had, if I had to guess. Mm. Where it's like so clean and so smooth that for me it's lost its uh sense of dynamics sense of movement uh it's just a little too flat for me Mm. and so uh still really love patrick have a lot of faith in him as an artist i just think this and it's my in my top 15 of the year still really good yeah but oh yeah if 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 Cola came out this year, and not to compare, mm-hmm. but I'm 100% comparing, it would potentially <laughs> be my number one album of the year. So yeah. it's just a big drop for him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was too much. Yeah, but Andrew, what are your honorable I'll, mentions? I'll make, up, <laughs> I'll make up time and try to go a little faster here through mine. So I mentioned on the last episode, and I will repeat on this one, for me, basically... Anything from basically 6 to 12 on my list is all about the same tier for me. And genuinely, I feel like I could wake up every morning and change some in and out. I've sat on this a few days, and at this point, it's I can't change it. It's 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 there. So I have my top 10. But basically, I'm going to give three honorable mentions, pause, and the last two honorable mentions truly are in my opinion, worthy of a spot, but they're currently the the ones that just get edged out. So um, uh, some of the honorable mentions are the album The Dark by the band Camino. I think ba- the band Camino is really good. They're kind of uh, rock, pop, I don't know what style you call them, but I think that they are one of those bands that are super consistent and have some standout tracks and I just enjoy listening to a ton. Um, but there's probably, they get lost in the shuffle a little bit for me. And again, this is still top 15, but um, they get lost in the shuffle a little bit for me. Um, and then the next record is This Is Why by Paramore. I think it's a really good record. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as their last record before this, um, After Laughter. Um, but... It's a really good Paramore album. There are some songs that are incredible, and then there's some songs that fall a little flat for me, so it's not quite 
consistent the whole time through. The next record is The Valley of Vision by Manchester Orchestra. Um, basically, anytime Manchester releases anything, for me, it's probably top 15, but this isn't a normal Manchester release. This is a acoustic release, basically, for them. So it's not full band Manchester. It's still incredible music, but it's not, for me, that, that top tier Manchester. And then... The final two, I have Yo-Yo by Beacon School. I agree. This one, for me, fits that same tier. Um, I wanted so bad to figure out how to get it into my top 10 because it feels like it's deserving of it. Um, I probably like that record more than Nate does. I feel like I have a harder time, even though we have it in the basically the same spot. Um, I feel like I have a harder time having it out of my top 10. And... I really think it's great. I think um, how I view Cola and Yo-Yo is just Cola is kind of manic and crazy and therefore hits peaks that Yo-Yo does not. Um, Maybe out of sheer luck or stupid, just like, let me do something crazy and wow, it somehow works. Um, I think Yo-Yo is way more calculated and probably fits a style that could be oversaturated a little bit more, but I still feel like it is better than most of the albums in that style. Um, Like I still feel like even in a style that can be oversaturated, he's still standing out enough. And I think still shows um, incredible songwriting. I think his vocals on Yo-Yo are probably better than on Cola. He feels more confident, feels like he's willing to try different stuff where he might have just bailed on singing entirely on Cola. He's actually staying in singing more in Yo-Yo. And then there's songs like John that's just a fully instrumental club track that, like, is so cool. And if he did a full album that way, it would be really interesting to see what happens um, where that might fall. And then another album that we had a uh, podcast on is the album Across the Room by Gabrielle Schank. Um, I love that record. I think it's a really, really good kind of um, like R&B, bluesy, um, indie record. Um, I just, I think it's a great album and that's another one that's hard to not have in my top 10, but right now it is sitting just outside of my top 10. All right, we're going to start with number 10. We'll give the superlative and then the album and we'll go back and forth, so... I'll do 10, you do 10, you do 9, I'll do 9, and so on and so forth. So, I will start. Um, For me, the superlative actually goes to the band more than the album. I have this superlative, the most consistent band. And it's the album Super Bloom by Silent Planet, (laughs) which uh, Nate talked about on the last record, it being a disappointing album for him. Um, What is a weird thing is... I think the the thing that I would say is we very much agree on Silent Planet in the past and the the spot in metal that they still serve, um, like for us. If Silent Planet released their some of their past records, it probably would be top four or five for me. Um, it could be as far down as an honorable mention, mentioning the weird tears that I have going, um, but I have it squeaking in right at ten. I agree it's probably not their best work, 
It is definitely a style change. I think that they, I, I would say that they do execute the style change really well. Um, I think that I miss a little bit of what made them stand out is like they went into a genre that's just more current a little bit. And I think they do it really well, but they don't stand out quite as much. And that's why it's down at 10. Um, there are some tracks that like if the whole album was the height of this record, it'd probably be top five for me. But the album as a consistent album has, I I would say the worst it gets for me is good, but then it has insanely good on the record. So um, it evens out to still be top 10 for me. Um, I still think they they have it. And like you said, they definitely have the chops um, to, to do the style. And it probably just hits you and me slightly different. So um, that is my 10th. How about you, Nate? Yeah, uh, my 10 for best metal album is Super Bloom by Silent. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my, my superlative is uh, best sad boy album. And nice. that goes to uh, Angelo de Augustine with his record mm-hmm. Toil and Trouble. Uh, I knew about Angelo from years and years ago, but I never really listened to his stuff. I think his vocals were a little too high for me. Um, mm-hmm. And when he paired up with Sufjan for that record, uh, I love that record and thought, that Angelo actually carried a lot on that album. It wasn't just Sufjan. I mean, really, Angelo did a lot of the heavy lifting vocally and did a lot of beautiful, creative stuff. And so I was expecting something similar with this record. And I would say the quality is very similar, but the positivity is not. It feels like (laughs) so dark and so sad. Like, this is so, like, he, I, I literally, like, while listening to the record, I never do this. I literally thought of being, like, and I didn't actually think about this, but, like, (laughs) should I, like, reach out to him and make sure he's doing okay? Like, (laughs) like, obviously he wouldn't respond to me and obviously I have nothing to offer, but it's like, I don't know that that's obvious. That's really obvious, but that's how, that's how sad he was. Like, yeah, it's just crazy. Um, yeah. Some of the line and he, the problem is, is it's so well written and the lines, the lines are so well written that he makes it very clear. Um, but his melodies are so good and his, he's just an incredible, Incredible vocalist and the songwriting's good. Even on the last thing I'll say, he has the song. I don't even remember what it's called, like the painter or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's a type of song I hate. Like I hate songs like this where he's like, "Oh, like I'm a painter and I paint things and this is my life and I'm painting." And it's like the metaphor is just like so on the nose and like so immediate mm-hmm. and so right there and i think it's a really good song <laughs> like yeah like it, it's just like even the the types of songs i don't like i think he does a good job with them um yeah and so yeah really solid 
Huh? All right. Should I go nine then? Yes. Yeah. I will go, go ahead. Um, <laughs> that would be, um, wouldn't you know it, an instrumental album. And uh, the superlative is best finger picking album. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's the happiest times I ever ignored by Hayden Padigo. Pe- and uh or Padigo, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but yep. what I can say about the record is it's finger picking good. <laughs> and if that's not on a t shirt of his by now it should be. It feels really right. Get on it. Like that yeah. that's gonna sell out. Like yep. no doubt. Um yep. but that being said, it's this like I'm so bad with genres, I'm just gonna put that out there. I don't know how to categorize things, but it's like obviously acoustic Mm -hmm. country, like Western folky, dry Americana. Remove the folky Americana. Mm -hmm. Just like, like you are not, in in the north of the civil war listening to this thing. Yes. Like you're in the south. Like you That's a nice way of putting you, it. You, you can you know you can feel the 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 heat on uh on your <laughs> skin uh listening to this yeah. one. And uh he just does such a good job by being so simple. Um, and not that the finger picking simple, I'm sure it's very complicated and he's able to create a full sound with most of the time, just him and the acoustic, but he's able to, I feel like just bring a piece that I like about this record. There's a calmness to it. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I've been looking for instrumental albums more and more to help bring those emotions and those, um, that state of being, and this record does a good job with that. Nice. Hi, Andrew. What about you? What's your numero nine? Yeah. So the superlative is the album most likely to make me cry, but it's not Angelo Day Augustine. Okay. Uh, he can't make me cry, but the Japanese house can. Uh, with yes. their album in the end, it always does. I think it's a very sad record. It's definitely. Even though it starts pretty, I would say, textbook Japanese house, like it's like her exact style. She really goes into those more stripped down, really ethereal, um, emotional parts of the record for the most, for most of the record, really. Um, I think it's a great record. It's not quite uh, good at falling is one of my favorite records of the last five years like it's up there for me and uh and it's not quite that height that's why it's why it's here at nine but i do feel like it has some of those songs um um is it touching myself um there's there's a couple tracks on it that are stand out incredible tracks um and uh and i think it's a great record all right moving on to number eight this I gave uh, the the award, if you will, or the superlative. 
for best album title. So I really like this album title. It is the album The Cannonballers by Colony House. Um, I do really like this record. I feel like, I don't know what other people think of the record, but I feel like I might like it more than a lot of other fans. Um, I'm not on, I like, I might be on record saying it's not my favorite Colony House. I, I do know, I, I think their record before this was my favorite, but I do feel like the Cannonballers is a great album. I feel like they really found a slightly different style that they've been hinting at over years and went all in on it. And I feel like it works. I feel like it works really well. Um, it's kind of a different style than I listen to. It's kind of this uh, surf rock. I mean, they call it landlocked surf rock. Um, it's their style. And then there's a track, uh, obviously named that. But like, that is kind of their style. And I really enjoy it. I think it's really good. And I have gone back to that album um, maybe more than I expected to. Um, so it is there at number eight. How about you, Nate? Uh, yeah, number eight. I have an album that was mentioned last episode uh, mm. by Andrew. And it is what I am calling the best background pump-up music album. And uh, that is Love in the Void by Hammock. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that combination is so weird, but is the perfect description of them for me. Yeah. Where you could literally listen to this record as just like sort of like calming background music as you're working. Mm -hmm. And then you could also listen to it if you want to get like pumped out, pumped up, like working out at the gym or yeah. like. Or, like, to yeah. get, like, really in the zone for something. And yeah. I think it's partially because it's so dynamic. Um, mm -hmm. And it's emotionally deep. Like, it's it feels like there's this well of emotion um, that comes mm -hmm. with this record, which can help you either, like, soothe you down if you need to be calmed down or really, like, lift you up and encourage you and motivate you if you need that. And so... Uh, whatever you need, I would go to Hammock uh, and find some love in the void. But as Andrew said, I think it's what I like about the record, too, is uh, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're kind of doing like a best of Hammock where it's like, yeah, hey, we've done all different types of sounds within this post rock stuff. Here's just like a combination of like our best stuff. Um, yeah. and so they have like some songs, like a little bit of singing, some songs that are quieter, a lot of like really great buildups and crescendos. Um, but yeah, super solid instrumental record. Yeah. Number seven is an album that was the latest to join my top 10 list. Probably first heard it like a month ago or something. Mm. And that is, uh, what I am going to label as the best instrumental intros album. It's not an instrumental album, but it's intros, which are instrumental. Kick, tush. And uh, <laughs> that is Hotline TNT's Cartwheel. Um, also an incredible album cover. If it wasn't on 
this list. I might have put it as my favorite album cover. Um, it brings me back to like, even though it's so different than this, balance and composure, the things we think we're missing. It's like every song on that, for the most part, you have like this incredibly hooky instrumental intro to start the song. And it just like gets you in and gets you pumped up. And uh, this ha- this is the same, but it's almost like if Balancing Composure had a baby with Kevin Crowder, um, which I don't know how that would work biologically, but yeah, they it's just like such a great combo of those two artists, and it's like heavy but also light and catchy, and um, I would say the melodies on the record vocally are like fine. There's like rarely a melody that i'm like oh that's so sick or so catchy but the melodies musically are just like so sick and um mm-hmm. yeah i wouldn't mind if this record was an instrumental album though i do like the vocals and i think they do add um but yeah such a good such a good record all right yeah. what's your what's your seven andrew yeah so mine uh the superlative is Undercover from Indian Lakes album. <laughs> and it's the album For Everyone by Joe Van. Um, we haven't talked about this album. I love this album. I genuinely, there's like, I know that he recently posted that he's working on From Indian Lakes stuff, but when this album came out, I genuinely was like, I don't even think he's going to do From Indian Lakes anymore. Because what's interesting with his own solo stuff is, so From Indian Lakes has recently, uh, especially their most, recent uh dimly lit it went heavier like a little bit and uh for everyone is almost like absent sounds era joe van like he almost is or absent sounds era from indian lakes where he's almost going back to like hey remember when i was like softer from indian lakes well now i'm just doing that under joe van and i'll save the slightly heavier more crazy manic stuff for from Indian Lakes, which might still be what he's doing. But I I love this record. I think his first solo um, record was great. I think this one is, and, and I don't know because we haven't talked about it. We might talk about it now or later if Nate wants to. Um, but like, I think it's up there with his other solo stuff. So. Um, I think it's very consistent. And I kind of, weirdly, by the time it was coming out, I almost, this is going to sound bad for someone I love so much, but I almost was just like, okay, yeah, it's coming out. Like, I almost didn't care enough to take time. I don't know. But then I listened to it, and I was like, oh, I should have cared way more that this was coming out. And, like, there was no reason. He has done nothing, in my opinion, to make me kind of shrug by a release from him. Like, I've loved everything he's put out. Um, for the longest time so um, yeah that's my number seven anything you want to say there or should we just talk about it later because we haven't really been talking about oh yeah that's true i mean maybe at the end how about if if we don't like let's obviously that could be on my list but if it's not on my list then at the end we can talk about each other's lists yeah yep all right and i'll real quick because i didn't actually interject uh, after you said hammock What's interesting, and I'm realizing this is actually a flaw in my thinking, is I don't think of instrumentals when I'm starting to do top 10. Mm. Um, 
that I do think Love in the Void is very, like, it probably is deserving of not just top 10, but, like, right in that same area that I'm having the hard time figuring stuff out, like, that 6 to 12, it would just be 6 to 13, because I should probably put it in that same tier. But I think of instrumental, and I, I view it as just, like, the the brother or sibling of soundtracks, which I also don't think about in top 10 records. Like I kind of separate that. And I think of, um, it doesn't have to be full band, but I do think of something with vocals. So, um, that's just an interesting thing that I noticed for myself. And I, uh, I just wanted to piggyback your thoughts on love in the void by hammock. Cause it's, it's well-deserving of a top 10 spot. I just didn't even think about it. Really. So, yeah. All right. Moving on to my number six, my number six, I actually, I don't know, it's this visual I think of every time I listen to this record. So I have it as music for your art collection. Um, and it's the album Norm by Andy Schaff. I think, I genuinely feel like that whole album feels like you're in a museum a little bit, like specifically an art museum, because I feel like it is a piece of art. How he has worked all the instruments, the utilization of some unique instruments that he uses that a lot of artists don't utilize. It is very bare bones. He really does not overfill his music, but every single instrument is so clean and so pure. And there is almost like this like timeless quality to his music that like, I feel like that album could be 50 years old and it could be great in 50 years. You know what I mean? Like there is kind of this weird, because it's not, it's all these earthy instruments that will exist in that time. It's not all these like synths that could age really poorly at some point or, or what have you. Um, I think it's an incredible record and uh, and I couldn't rename it like Comeback Album. It's already won that for me. So it's uh, music for your art collection. Um, how about you, Nate? What's your number six? Yeah, so my category... Uh for this superlative is best video game soundtrack. That's not actually a video game soundtrack. (laughs) And that is, uh, turquoise deaths. The, the very well-known, uh, artist turquoise death. Yeah. Um, Yeah, We were all just talking about them. Yeah. I mean, they're really blowing up. Can't really go (laughs) on social media without hearing about them. Uh, their record say bueno. And, Andrew, I I think this is like, so you usually hear that phrase nail in the coffin in like a bad way, but yeah. I'm using nail in the coffin in the sense of like just driving home your point mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like, this is my third and I'm going to give a hint, final instrumental record in my top 10. Yeah. Um, and so. That is so impressive. I just been listening to a lot more instrumental music this year good for you and uh (laughs) yeah it sounds like i quit alcohol the way the way you're encouraging me um well uh, no i do feel like sorry i feel like instrumental music does not actually get um noticed very often like i feel like you almost have to be a hammock level of popularity to get any sort of traction yeah like you have to be a top tier instrumental band and not saying that these other bands aren't making top tier music, but I mean like top tier popularity to be able to do it 
and make a living out of it kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so good for you finding, <laughs> I mean, the whole, the whole point of the podcast is finding lesser known music that people should know about. And I think there's probably of all the styles we could pick instrumental would actually be the one that moves the needle the most in the sense of like these pro- people probably have very small followings compared to some of the other bands we've done that we also think are underrated. So sorry, I'll let you no, keep talking. No, I'm with you. I'm That's with what you. I'm saying. Like, good for you. Cause I, I don't even have that same focus and conviction to find more in the instrumental style. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think for me, I'm, been looking more and more for instrumental stuff. I think this is such going to sound like such a weird statement because it's music and it's not Mm -hmm. silence, but I long for the silence of instrumental music where um, the lack of vocals gives for me this like unclouded type of feeling that I sometimes Mm -hmm. feel like the vocals, um, Vocals can sometimes make a a record that doesn't have to be messy, messy. Um, And yeah, I mean, this Turquoise Death record, like I said, best video game soundtrack. That's not a video game soundtrack. It's like so high energy, high octane, uh, very glitchy again, um, very sporadic, very all over the place. Um, Drums are going to... a mile a minute which uh is only 60 miles per hour which really isn't that fast but <laughs> they're going like really fast really chaotic um mm-hmm. almost like drum machine type stuff a lot of times and uh yeah i just think this is a really clever record where the production is uh just so interesting all the time like Whoever the hell Turquoise Death is, uh, they just find ways to keep me interested the entire time. And it's a 50-minute record. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to be interested that long without... I mean, there's like one or two songs with like light vocals that are mainly there just for like repetition and and texture more than actual like vocals. Um, Yeah, really, really good record. All right. Um, then my uh, numero five O is uh, another album that was mentioned on our previous episode. And that is the record uh, that I'm going to call Best Melodies Album. And it is uh, New Neighbors by Homecoming. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Similar to instrumental records putting me in like a different headspace, I feel very similar about uh, vocal records where it's not in English because the lack of understanding for me causes me to focus on the melody a lot more than I might if I understand the lyrics. And so all I have with the vocals are like, okay, where is this going melodically? How is the voice moving and flowing? And Mm -hmm. on this record, there's just so many uh, beautiful and nostalgic, I feel like, melodies. And um, for me too, it's a really consistent record. Um, And so I love that 
an album in a language I don't speak can feel nostalgic and feel familiar. Um, And that's something that's beautiful about music where it is this sort of universal language. Um, And I feel like I perfectly understand the record, even though I don't understand a word being said. So um, maybe it's an album filled with hate lyrics about a certain minority group. (laughs) And if so, I apologize ahead of time. Um, But I'm sure uh, it's just a record about like love or friendship or something normal. So, yeah. uh, yeah, great album, great melodies. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what's your, uh, yeah. five? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so my number five, uh, <laughs> it wins the award of the superlative for debut album of the year. Ah, shoot. I forgot about debuts, man. I'm sorry for yeah. interrupting, but. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure you would agree. I don't actually know if you would agree. But it is the record Aperture by Hannah Jadagu. I think that is such a good debut record. Now, obviously, every year, it's probably slim pickings as far as debut albums because a lot of the bands that I personally listen to and probably most of us, they've probably been around for a little bit. And it's honestly hard to get traction on a debut album. Usually, you have to be a band for a little while till you can get some traction and listenership and and all that stuff so um for this being her debut it's insanely good it has i think the whole album feels like it's just banger after banger i've been talking about this range from like six to twelve for me and so five is really where i feel like my one to five are very solidified um in just their spots and in how good i believe these records are that like I can't not have Hannah in my top 10. Um, and I think it's it's a great record. We obviously did an episode on that. Feel free to check it out if uh, if you would like. But um, that gives a lot more thoughts um, from me on this record. But it's a great record. All right. I'm going to move us to four. And number four wins. Um, this is the longest superlative I have. Bandit took me long enough to take time out of my schedule to listen to. What I mean by that is I've heard of this band. I know people who've listened to this band, but it took me a long time to find this band. And I like this album more than Nate. You want to know how I know that? Because it was an honorable mention for Nate and it's number four for me. It's the album Bunny by Beach Fossils. Mm. I think, um, I think it is a very consistent album for me. I don't actually... There's no songs on the record that I dislike or that I've ever uh, been tempted to skip. I think it is, um, use kind of uh, terms, uh, I think, for them as well, of just trying to avoid the term vibe. But I really <laughs> feel like yeah, for them in general, tough. like that's kind of what you have to go with because I feel like they are kind of one of those vibe bands, but they execute it super well. And I find myself interested in their music it's interesting because I feel like they can be one of those bands you listen to as a background band and it works really well. Or you can actually sit down and listen to them straight through and focus on every detail and you're going to get something out of that type of listen to, which doesn't happen always. Those those bands that are consistent enough but can be in the background, sometimes they feel the same when you actually go to listen to them intently. And I actually feel like Beach Fossils, 
I get more out of Bunny when I sit down and listen to it, which is the sign of a good record, that there's always another layer or something more interesting if you take the time to to seek it out. So that is my number four. How about you, Nate? Uh, yeah, what I'm about to comment on your pick, yeah. although I haven't commented on a lot of your other picks, so yeah, that's fine. whatever. But um, it's connected to my superlative, actually. Um, yeah. I feel like, Andrew, not that you haven't been into indie because you have been Mm -hmm. but i feel like you more comparative to me have like we both like lesser known stuff but the actual genre of indie i i have a lot more uh bands that i've liked and listened to where you've listened to a little bit more mainstream stuff from the sound of things yes not yes. necessarily popularity, but that sound. I feel, yep. I wonder, and I could be totally wrong, if yeah. this is this like needle moving moment. Yeah. Because to me, like, not that like, I feel like Beach Fossils is a very easy to digest band. Like, I'm, yeah. if you played them on yes. the radio, I'm sure they would smash and be fine. Yep. But to me, like, they, they are a very quintessential indie band. And for that, for them being this high on your list, I feel like, you know, I'm like, I just feel very, feel very happy about that. But you know, like really leaning in. And to that point, I think Nate's always been really good at predicting bands that I'll like, and there's always something kind of there. I feel really predictable when it comes to that record. Like when you texted it to me, <laughs> I feel like I said it on the record, uh, like when we actually reviewed this record on the podcast, but like I really felt like I could picture you going, oh, Andrew's going to like this because it really feels like that's also the style of indie. Like indie is kind of a catch-all, yeah. right? Like there is kind of uh, some parameters of what indie should look like, but but you can throw a bunch into any genre, but but indie specifically. And I feel like the things showing up, um, I won't say I probably have another album in that style coming up at some point here, but like Bunny by Beach Fossils, even Aperture, Hannah Jadagu. Um, yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah. Japanese House, Yo-Yo as an honorable mention. They all share a level of excellent production with just very smooth, easy to listen to, objectively good, like it doesn't take much from you as the listener to enjoy. And that's kind of a style of indie that's starting to solidify for me as, as kind of my favorite style in that. Now, I do think you still have to stand out in some ways. And for me, Beach Fossils really does that with Bunny. I feel like it. it um, there is a little bit more depth there than Japanese house um, or yo-yo for me personally. But um, I just, I think it's a great record. Yeah. I've, I mean, I could have said the same thing after you talked about Hannah Jadagi's record. That's another, but to me, she's close enough to like soccer mommy that like, and I mean, yeah. Soccer Mommy's indie, but Soccer Mommy too is like early two thousands, like yeah. 
well, she's closer to mini trees. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and you were right. I I didn't comment. I think Hannah Jiragu's record is my favorite debut of the year as well, um, though it is not on my list. Now, the way <laughs> I said it connects to my um, to my superlative, and I think this record I'm going to share will be on your list, though it's okay if not. Um, okay. This superlative is best quintessential indie rock album um which i already used that term quintessential describing um (laughs) beach fossils it's hard not to say beach bunny um i do want to say that uh the thing is is that this artist or this quote-unquote band uh i feel like what he does is like when I think what is indie rock, like mm-hmm. it's him. Like okay. he he is that picture in the dictionary for me. He is mm-hmm. that first result on the Google search. And not from popularity, but just from sound and what I like in indie rock. And uh that is my boy Far Caspian and uh the mm. record The Last Remaining Light. Um mm-hmm. For me, I like this album uh, a lot less than I liked uh, Ways to Get Out. And this album is fourth on on my list this year, Mm -hmm. which just shows how crazy good he is. Um, I think he he just does such... I mean, we, we had an episode on this record just like... A lot of the ones we've been talking about. But my main summary of what we talked about is he's just so simple and clever at the same time. Where it's like he's not like rarely does he blow your mind, but everything is catchy or very like unique while still sounding like very clean um everything's digestible um but he does lots of different types of songs on this thing lots of different types of uh sounds and uh yeah i just think it's so solid um i Mm want to say it's like the most solid album of the year but i don't think that um just say it. but just say it. i almost would say it but it's not because yeah. i think something yeah. else is. but anyways all right that's my four uh am i supposed yep. to share my three yeah all right. my three is um i have two superlatives one where i'm being uh wise ass and one where i'm being serious uh, my wise ass one is best title inspired by a weapon album um and mm. that is sufjan steven's javelin i don't mm-hmm. know if a javelin like was a javelin originally a weapon that they turned into a sport or mm. is it just a sport that when i look at it i think weapon i don't have the answer okay. to that because i mean it's very much it's very spear-like uh. But I don't I know if that's like, a type of spear. Yeah. I feel like it's just for the sport. 
I think so. Because that seems too cumbersome to actually use in battle. Um, yeah. It feels like someone took a spear into battle and then they were like, what if it was longer? And then they got it and they're like, but this thing's huge, so it should just be a sport. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's like somebody was sharpening their spear and mm-hmm. and then the, just like a, visualize like a, a, sphere, a spear sharpener, but yeah. really it's just a giant pencil sharpener. And so they're sharpening <laughs> one side uh-huh. and then they're like, man, what if I sharpen the other side too? And they yeah. did. And even though the eraser was on that side and then they just had this giant toothpick of death. Yeah. Um, Toothpick of death would have been a really great superlative. Yeah. <laughs> I should have done that. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Or he, Sufjan could have named that the record that toothpick yeah. of death. That's true. But, um, true. my, my true superlative is best legacy album. Um, yeah. And it's because I feel like of all the albums this year that I liked, it was the one that like cemented someone the most. Um, And not that Sufjan needed any cementing, but it's like he is already goaded. He's already a legend. And then I do feel like over the past few years he's just done so many side projects and then his most recent record wasn't that beloved compared to his a lot of his past stuff that it's like oh does he still have it and i mean we knew from his record with angela the augustine that he still had it but was he going to go not that he had to go back but was he going to ever go back to the indie folk uh, sound that he helped pioneer and he did on this one and it's just such a killer album um yeah. man i mean obviously it's like a very emotional album lyrically like you can look stuff up about that um but his song like his songwriting is just above um yeah. he he's just a masterful songwriter and mm-hmm. he's flexing on this one and not to show off but out of a place of like authenticity and what i really like about this album too is despite its like tragedy or despite its sadness he's so hopeful on the album yeah. lyrically and yeah. um I just find that it was like such a healthy record for people to listen to, especially yeah. um, a lot of those who are the type of people who listen to Sufjan like myself. Uh, I feel like uh, we might be a little cynical sometimes or a little <laughs> down when we uh, don't need to be. And so uh, just the positivity he shared just through adversity, I think was uh, beautiful. So yeah, Andrew, top three. What yep. what, what do we yep. got? So I'm real quick gonna just talk about Sufjan. So um, that's basically one I kept trying to force into my top ten slash top fifteen, and it felt inauthentic because I've not listened to the album that much. And so I like for for me a personal thing is I really want time spent in these records to show 
there. It feels inauthentic to throw in an album that I haven't listened to enough just because it's Sufjan and just because the listens I've had are really positive experiences that I assume would lead to that outcome. Um, so that kind of, for me, I don't know. This happens almost every year. There's like an album that I genuinely should probably have in. And if given more time, it would be in. And who knows? Maybe this is the record I pick for. <laughs> One that I'll listen to way more yeah. next year than this year and be able to kind of view it as a 2024 album I found from 2023, but, um, or the opposite, but, um, but yeah, just because I feel like that's one of those records that is well, well deserving of it, but feels inauthentic to me to go, this is one of my top 10 when it truly isn't given the amount of times I've listened to it. So thought I'd give some clarity there. And I feel like I say almost the same thing to an album every year uh similar but all right my number three i have is the feel good album of the year you know you need some of those um and it's the album world music radio by john batiste my guess is nate hasn't listened to this album at all we haven't talked about this album at all um this record is incredible it really is john batiste over the last uh maybe two years now has really, I mean, not only has he become really popular over the last couple of years, but I feel like he is doing some really unique stuff in the music space. So he has been around for a long time and like wrote the music for soul. He's kind of known, I feel like as this jazz pianist, like focused uh, guy, but this record um, he did with the production of John Bellion, who's one of my favorites. Um, there is almost every style you can imagine on this record. And it's called World Music Radio. And there's a theme throughout the whole thing, which is basically acting as if he's jumping around different areas of the world and just creating music from that culture or that standpoint. Coldplay tried something like this a little <laughs> bit ago. And it didn't work well. I don't feel like they they were near as good or talented to pull it off. And John Ballion truly does. There's some songs that are like pop. There's some song like there's literally a full song that's basically a Kenny G saxophone solo. And it's actually Kenny G playing saxophone on it. Like it's it's um it's got some, I don't know, crazy kind of I don't, I don't want to just say like Lion King-esque like drum sample type stuff on it. It's just, it's such a unique album and it is a full concept record. Um, usually small interludes for the concept I don't love. It works on this and and I think it enhances the feel of the record. Um, and honestly, John Batiste is just crazy talented. And so I feel like that just shows up throughout the whole record. Um, it's not usually a record I would even listen to much. And I do have to give props to my wife, Amy, who this is, I think, if she were to create a top 10, and maybe she will, this would be her number one through five, probably. Like, this album's way up there. So I was able to hear songs mostly like her, like, hey, you should check out this song and then this song. And then just her playing the record. As much as I've gotten really into it, Um 
and I haven't even had to go out of my way to listen to it very often, but I've probably listened to this. It, it might be the record I've listened to the most out of my top 10 um, between all that. So uh, great record. All right. I do too, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I was trying to figure out where, where the turn was. So, all right. My second favorite album of the year is the album I have is most intriguing album. Um, it is a very versatile album, similar to the John Batiste record, but I put it as most intriguing album. It is the album Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token. I'm in love with this record. Um, I know it's probably not going to show up on the <laughs> top 10 or 15. Um, what? But, you know, I was able to drag Nate into listening to it and um, and trying to share it. One of the reasons I put most intriguing is not only the style changes that they do on the album that I find to be um, insanely impressive and um, and honestly, I think it all works really well, but there's also just this like small layer of intrigue around who who is in the band and everything from the anonymity that they um, uh, bring as far as no one knows who the members are. They're all always dressed up in in this gear so people don't 100% know who they are. There's guesses out there, but um, I think it creates a really interesting... Uh, I feel like I get lost sometimes um, in the music, and then I step back and I think of conceptually what Sleep Token's doing, and then I'm equally as impressed. Um, I always love the idea of music being bigger than just the people creating the music. And so I love artists that are able to kind of play the background. Like it's all about the music and that is the focus with sleep token. And then in all their visuals, it obviously ties in. They're not just like throwing on random masks or something like that. Like it all fits a concept and a, and a vibe that they're going for. And it's like a mixture of all these different styles and each song can have changes from like screaming to like really weird um, kind of um, synth pop parts or, or blues uh, sections. And so I've just listened to this album. Um, this would be the only other album that probably rivals John Batiste as far as amount I've listened to. Um, and part of it is the intrigue of both of these records. They're so different and they really require maybe a lot from you as the listener. They're not the easiest album to just listen to and be like, oh yeah, I love this. Um, it's so weird and so out there, but I think um, I think Sleep Token really, really nailed it on this record. I would not be surprised if uh, they beat this record going forward as they continue to kind of uh, figure out their sound. I also wouldn't be surprised if they never reach this height again. I feel like it's such a weird moment in time for them as a band, and this record is such a weird record. I don't know. Um, yeah, I have no clue if I'll ever listen to another album by Sleep Token, but I know I love this one. So, um, yeah, that's that. How about you, Nate? Number two. I already did the Silent Planet joke, so I can't do it again. Yeah, again yeah. Sleep also, um, we should guess each other's number one, even though I have no clue. I'm already saying I have no clue what your number one is. I, no. I think I know what yours is, but I could easily be I wrong. I think you might, but um, you could be wrong. All right. Uh, my number two is uh with the superlative best listening experience album um mm -hmm. 
Which oh, sleep token. Was obviously, sleep token. <laughs> take, take me back to Sweden. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's called uh, After the Magic by the artist Paranol. And he just like, his dynamics are crazy. And his, mm-hmm. it's weird where it's such an experimental record that is also like almost like a pop album, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. stereotypically a pop record yeah um and uh yeah it's it's a record that i feel like has high walls in the sunset like it's hard to break through and get into it but once you're in there you're kind of stuck in a good way mm-hmm. and uh once i like understood what was going on i just like mm-hmm. have been in love with this record ever since for me, even though I really do love Javelin by Sufjan, mm-hmm. this is the line of demarcation for me in terms of like top of the top records from the year. I have two personally, um, mm-hmm. and this is one of them. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then my number one, Andrew, do you want to guess? Should I guess? Okay. Well, I'm looking at my list to see if I have any... I want to guess something that I've had that you maybe haven't, but I don't, I don't know where you land on it. Um, and this should show how good of a listener I am. Um, because maybe I'm going to guess something that you've already had, and I'm totally blanking on you having it. Um, I'm going to guess Norm by Andy Schaff. Okay, so. Did you have that already? Maybe. We'll see. My uh, <laughs> my album of the year, another superlative I have for it is best album from the perspective of a stalker. And uh, that is yeah. Norm by Andy Schaff. Yeah. Okay. I had not mentioned that. I felt bad. Yet. I was like, I feel like you didn't mention it. And if I guessed it and you're like, dude, that was my yeah. number blank. I know. Blank. You're like, yeah. is it? Is it Javelin by Sufjan? Is it Last Remaining Life by Far Caspian? Is it New Nation yeah. by Homecoming? And you just go through and literally list every single record I mentioned. Everything, so far. yeah. Like, yeah. oh, sorry, I wasn't Everybody. paying attention. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Andy's back. He definitely mm-hmm. would have won Comeback Artist of the Year for me if I didn't have my like conviction yeah, about not, not repeating it. Doubling up. Yeah. And, um, which he was my only exception, actually. I yeah. feel like I'm looking back. Well, favorite song was Hannah Jadagu, who's also in here. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I kept pretty clean, except that was too obvious for me. I couldn't even think of another comeback one that, that hit me even close. So, sorry. No, you're Keep good. Um, it's, I feel like, okay. So The Party, one of my favorite albums of all time. Andrew Mm kind of hit on that. It has to be top 10 of all time for me. When somebody releases a record like that, and then you don't love the second one, or the one following, rarely do you have hope for that next album. Um, After. And The Wilds, Still is a letdown overall for me. I probably do like it more than you, Andrew, but still, compared to the party, it's still a letdown. 
When mm-hmm. somebody releases one of your favorite albums and then has two letdowns, mm-hmm. you've given it's gone. It's yep. you've put you've put them in the closet. Say hey, you're gonna stay in there, and uh, I'm not gonna think about you ever again outside of going back mm-hmm. to the record that I like. I'm not gonna be uh, having any positive expectations. I'll listen to the singles just because I'm curious, but. I'll probably kind of skip through and then leave. And so his, the first single was Wasted on You. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I kind of like this. And then mm-hmm. uh, second single was Catch Your Eye. And I was like, mm-hmm. this isn't bad. And then I think the third single was Telephone. I could be wrong. I think they he went yeah. boom, boom, boom for the first three tracks. I think he did. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had pretty high hopes then, finally, when the record was about to come. Mm -hmm. And I was actually slightly let down by the record. I was a little bored. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is kind of dull. And then just sitting with the record longer and longer, I think the record, I mean, yeah, the record's a little boring, but I it's my favorite album of the year. It's so beautiful. Um, I think lyrically it's really creative and interesting. He corrected his mistake of being too, too detailed with the storytelling. He leaves a lot of mystery. He leaves a lot of unknown, um, while still painting, uh, some clear pictures. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think from, a vocal standpoint he gives my favorite performance of the year mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. he's able to be so light and smooth and pretty um and his melodies are incredible um he has this again this orchestral feel um and obviously mm-hmm. he does have orchestral uh components uh the mm-hmm. album covers in- really great uh I could probably talk about this record for a long time. Yeah. It's not yeah. there with the party, but it's right below. I think it's yeah. uh, so, so, so good. And uh, yeah. I didn't have to think hard about what was my favorite album of the year. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Let me guess. You want to guess my number one? I mean, and then I'll do what you did and just give the superlative <laughs> sure. and say it no matter what. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to use deductive reasoning. I feel like you've talked about every album I've shared that's not on your list that you also mm. knew about well and liked yeah. or even yeah. or had a more uh, experience with it. Um, but you were very quiet after I talked about Far Caspian. Um, and so that's going to be my guess. So I could totally be wrong. I do want to make a rated R by red joke right now, which would only be funny if you listen to the last episode. Um, So my album of the year, which is also the best record by a band named after Narnia, one of the Chronicles of Narnia books, is the record The Last Remaining Light by Far Caspian. Um, I think it's a pretty perfect indie record. Like, 
again, I've mentioned, and they fit in the same style, I feel like, even though uh, obviously they're not the same style, but like in the same vein of Beach Fossils, honestly, Far Caspian is the reason that Yo-Yo is not making my top 10. I think they're actually similar records if you listen to them. Um, I think Far Caspian's The Last Remaining Light just, to me, is just a way better version of that. And that I feel like that's a Beacon School catching strays here. It's probably not fair. But it is my number one record. I think it is a great indie rock record. You said quintessential. I agree. Um, I haven't stopped listening to this album uh, since we talked about it. And it just keeps getting better and better. It is such a versatile album. I've listened in multiple seasons and it feels perfect for each season, which is a fun thing. Like certain records fit a certain season in my mind very, very strongly. Uh, The Last Remaining Light, I was surprised. It was a good summer album and I don't feel like it should be. I wouldn't have thought of it as that, but I enjoy Maybe it's just a good record, but like I really enjoyed Warm Days listening to The Last Remaining Light. I feel like there's a brightness to the record um, that that is really great. Um, it's pretty perfect. Honestly, I don't know what he could do better. And also, um, it was your number four, right. right? And I know you liked, um, was it his debut? Yeah. Ways for this. I'm trying ways to, to get yeah. out. I think it was yeah. his debut. He had yeah. a few. It was kind of a band. Before. Yeah. There, yeah. Um, but, I would say it's on par, but I also feel like you hit uh, ways to get it out a lot harder than I did. And so, like, I'm not saying you're wrong about that, but I do feel like for me, um, The Last Remaining Light is on par, I feel like, with that. And I actually think for me, it's probably more consistent. I do think ways to get out might have some some songs that might be better than some of the ones on Last Remaining Light, but I feel like he found a very consistent way of writing and there's no bad songs on it. And there's some heights on this record too. It's not just a, oh, everything's really good. Um, there's some there's some incredible here too. So. Yeah, I didn't have to think that hard either. Um, for one, I kind of, as I start, usually I write down a bunch of records and then I start ordering but I kind of wrote down the order and put that at one. And then I started writing down records and then Sleep Token and John Batiste and, and Beach Fossil started like they were pretty easy to slot in there. Uh, Hannah as well. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, proud dad. <laughs> you should be. You should be. And And every year since we've done the podcast, Nate should feel really good that bands like i mean i knew about far caspian obviously from ways to get out but i knew about ways to get out because of nate um i knew about beach fossils but nate was the one who pointed me towards bunny he pointed me towards uh hannah jadagu he's talked about andy shaw for the longest time um i think you introduced me to from indian lakes which would be joe van um like that's like more than half of my top 10 I can attribute to Nate showing me 
those bands or those artists. And, and I mean, I can say the same. So I'm, yeah, yeah, doesn't feel correct, but no, I yeah. mean, thanks for saying you could say the same. No, I mean, Nate, oh, Nate you're saying me for yourself, yeah, I've, I've okay. shown myself a lot. I was of like, things. I can't think of one that I showed <laughs> you in your top 10. Um, probably none of them, yeah, no, although I was obviously the first Sufjan Stevens listener around, so yeah, you were, we could attribute that. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's much else to say. Um, we can talk off camera about Joe Van because I do, we've never talked about it. Yeah. He's usually someone we talk a lot about. Um, and, uh, anything else you want to say about this year, about your top 10, about my top 10? Um, no, I mean, I think, uh, overall, uh, I think we, our lists were making the most out of the albums that came out this year. I know it's a weird thing yeah. to say, but I think yeah. we really did our due diligence. We listened to a lot of different stuff and uh, yeah. the the best floated to the top. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I really like, I really like our lists, even though I feel like overall yeah. the year uh, was somewhat yeah. of a down one. There's still, yeah. but like you said, I mean, I think we can both look at our top five and be like, oh, I think this top five can go toe to toe with most years' top fives. Yeah. I think yeah. it, I, yep. it's after, it's after the five where it gets kind of squirrely. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, the, the other thing I'll say, I went into this going, I don't know if we're going to share more than one or two albums on our top 10. I felt like we were going to be really different this year. We ended up sharing two. Yep. Um, we had, we shared our ones. some similar thoughts in we, we shared ones. That's true. That's actually it then. Yeah. Um, our ones were the only ones that we agreed on, which is, which is nice. No, that's it, cool. I like it, that. It's uh it's kind of cool. Um, and then we talked about ones like Yo-Yo we both really liked, um, just didn't quite make it in. I had Bunny by Beach Fossils um, that didn't quite make it in yours. But I was still my honorable mentions. I think I was going to say, like, we still have some similarity, but I think what's what's always cool about all this is is even people who are doing a podcast together and are trying to share music with each other we still gravitate towards different music. And that doesn't mean we can show more love um, to different records and, yeah. uh, and stuff. So yeah. I feel like this good. year for you, it was Indian metal and I, this is oversimplification. Yep. I get it. And for me, it was no, very Indian fair. instrumental. Yeah. Um, no, that's even though instrumental is not a genre, fair. but yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's, it's fine. Neither like, I mean, Sleep Token fans would be mad that they were mentioned in metal and Silent Planet fans would be they're they're metal. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know what's not, but it's not. But um but no, I, I agree. That does feel like that's for the most part what I'm listening to. Some stuff in between, um, and plenty of soundtrack stuff. All right. All right. Well that'll do it. Um I think I will end this how I always end this, which is just asking you guys to share your top tens. We will post our top tens on socials. And I think it's honestly probably the most conversation that we get every year is on this top 10. 
um, people posting their top tens, commenting on ours, uh, so on and so forth. I think we do get every year someone going, hey, this record that you did throughout the year that you told me about is in my top yeah. ten. So the big one last we year really, was Baywave. Yes, that was a huge one. And so just thank you guys for listening. That's the whole goal of this is to show those records that we think are worthy of top 10 by the end of the year. They might not all show up in our top 10s by the end of the year, but um, but we love talking about music and sharing music, and we love receiving music from you guys. We would love to hear what we missed in our top 10s, maybe stuff we didn't even mention that's uh, very clearly in your top 10. Please let us know what records we're missing and we should have listened to more this year. And hey, maybe that record will show up in our albums from 2023 that uh, we found in 2024. So um, you can comment on our socials on Twitter slash X and Instagram at LDL pod. And you can also email us at long distance listening at gmail.com. Uh, you can like and subscribe to the podcast. That way uh, you don't miss future episodes. And thank you guys for listening this year. It's been a fun year. Uh, anything to say, Nate, to end out the year? Go Pats. And by go Pats, I mean, I hope you lose every game. <laughs> lose every game. <laughs> um, I hope for your sake that they do. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm a supportive friend. So, All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. Boats and Brooks.